With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Dan Platt, and he's going to talk about politics in the city of Albany. So, Dan, have you been watching closely the mayor's race? Uh, Not play-by-play, but I have been paying attention to the headlines. So a lot of what I'll talk about in the facts (laughs) are from the reporting from the Times Union and Albany Mm -hmm. proper uh, Robert uh, Dawson. Okay. So, so share Dawson. your views. Share your views. You've got you've got so your two, Yeah, yeah, thanks for giving me the platform. Um so two stories kind of jumped out at me from the last week. The first was that uh, about Faust successfully challenging the petitions of the two other people of color uh running in the Democratic primary, Lukey Forbes. <laughs> and Martin Anderson. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other was the story about the Working Family Party getting their uh, signatures challenged by Republicans uh, because they use an electronic signing system for their petitions. Mm -hmm. Both of these stories kind of speak to the archaic nature of our kind of election process and the contradictions inherent in there. So, being a trained Marxist does not just mean ranting against or doesn't even have to mean ranting against private property or whatever uh, Fox News says. It is looking at material structures, the systems, or rather, you know, instead of just the play-by-play of personal politics. So the politics usually is personal. When I talk to people mm-hmm. about their opinions on Mayor Sheehan, it is usually a matter of they feel slighted. They don't feel like she works with them. She doesn't make them feel like a friend because she's kind of like me, an introverted person. You know, she's elected almost on a platform of being a business person. Things are, you know, a business. We're not family. It is a business. Things are fair through market exchange by acting things like a business, which actually kind of gives her uh, – she gets the support she gets because – many Democrats see themselves as fiscally conservative. They do want the city run like a business efficiently, market efficiencies. Um, But there's just as many who, especially when it comes to machine politics, it's the opposite. It's more collectivist almost, that things are a family. You know, we do favors. You don't ask for a family member for uh, money. You just get, or like, you know, you don't need to take a loan out and pay it back. You just get money. You just get favors. You just do things for each other. Now, the mm-hmm. usual um, history is, you know, because I've been trying, I've been struggling myself over the past few years to understand how Albany politics really works because there's just so many contradictions. But historically, it seems like the, the challenge and the goal of any activist has been to be included in that family. 
And it was with transition from uh, uh, Jennings to Sheehan that things took the actual neoliberal turn of, okay, we're going to stop treating everything like, you know, politics like family business <laughs> or mob, but a business, you know, market exchange. We're going to go after for corporate partners, public-private partnerships. This is the things of progressive policy or liberal policy. But there are contradictions like how councils and boards, when you're on them, you're expected to be a team player um, collectively. It's almost consensus-based. The to you know to change a law or to make a new law or to change anything, the inception from the idea and its its introduction and its passage, it takes like a year at least, and that's like very slow when it comes to like when you actually have a crisis or you actually have a problem that people want addressed sometime you know, within, you know, looking at the watch when it's affecting them. But our election system, the, the, the choosing of who's on these boards or councils acting collaboratively is dog-eat-dog, dog, dirty tricks, competition. And that comes in action when you get the mindsets of conspiracy and um and whatnot. So, like uh, mentioned in the story of you know Faust kicking off the other people of color. No, it's like you know it, it's not. She's she's very old fashioned in that like she doesn't see this as a, a faux pas of liberal identity politics. No, this is a matter of this is about beating Sheehan and I. And and this goes for several other um, incumbents. I can't have competition. There can't be competition in this election, uh, or there, it needs to just be me and her. And that way, anyone who is not for Sheehan is thus for me, which is, of course, not actually how voting works because, you see, just because people – I mean, it kind of works when it's a figure like Trump. You know, everybody was ready voting for Biden for that sake. But Sheehan is not Trump. She is not – she may be disliked by many – uh, because she's an introvert, she doesn't make people feel like she's their friend. You know, when you have a meaning with her, it's business. <laughs> um, and maybe if you don't have enough capital or you don't have the the clout, you're not, you know, you're not in. Uh, but you, if you interpret things that way, it then becomes like, well, I'm not part of her clique or her team, and thus, mm -hmm. what team am I on? Because a lot of people don't have their own team. Thus the need for belonging and political organization that isn't just the family or the, or the, you know, the mob or the, or the political machine, the party is like a, you know, it's like we're all family except they're always conspiring against each other as Judd kind of interpreted Marlin's uh, vitriolic rhetoric, as he put it, which confuses me. Well, rather it's, it befuddled me because I have been interacting as Judd has with Marlon Anderson for at least a decade, I have, and I know he's always vitriolic. He's always rabble rousing, and he's always like you know running for mayor, at least as a write-in. Uh, not very well, but at least he says he is. And um, <laughs> that's all I'll say on him. But working for Sheehan, I—that's what he suggested, and it's like, well, we tested that by reaching out to him after we challenged his petitions or threatening to challenge his petitions. Sounds this sounds ingenuous to me. I say sarcastically. Why? 
Why would they challenge his petitions? No, why did because they sound? Go ahead. Oh, when? Why is why is it disingenuous? Because yeah. Well, it seems like a it seems like the wrong order. Usually, you reach out to somebody to work with them before you threaten to knock them off the ballot. Um, but this seems to be an issue when it comes to any kind of three-way race of where you have two candidates who are pretty similar to each other. Maybe they're similar in terms of background. Maybe they're both black uh, or maybe they're both progressive. And they're fighting or they're trying to unseat an incumbent. And so it's like kind of who's the alpha in this? You know, who's top? Uh, who should, who oh. should jump out and support the other? Okay. Um, uh, it's not collaborative. Stop right there. Neither Lukey or Marlon really has the political organization to get the required numbers of signatures to qualify for the ballot. I don't care if they're black. They're brown, they're yellow, they're pink, they're orange or purple. It's not a question of of identity politics. It's a question of that they didn't have enough expertise to follow through on their task to get the number of signatures to qualify for the ballot. That's my opinion. True. Very, no, it's it's, a, it's true. That's also true, because the other thing at play, and, and I'm just I was giving one interpretation. Another is that of prof, uh, professionalism. Uh, when I say political clout, I mean yes, having an organization. That means being in the profession of being a political actor, like whether in the Democratic Party. Usually means you're kind of a social climber. No matter, even if everyone there, which usually is the case, is well intentioned. But it's like, uh-huh. yeah, you're in the you're on the team or you're in the family because you are trained. You have been in public service or you know what you're doing. That you know that when you petition, that you need to you should get fifty percent more than what is required. Because right. the usual way of fighting off a petition challenge by an opponent is by having fifty percent more. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Neither of them do have organization. So it's usually a matter of Whoever has the organization, you're expected to be absorbed into it, which, again, contradicts that we can be political actors, be individualistic, or um, be our own voice in in the political process. Mm -hmm. So it seems like we need reforms and a system of government, uh, local governments, that takes us into account. Um, town hall meetings systems kind of do this a little bit more. Um, having assemblies. Yeah. So you want You had a follow up. Yeah. What about a farm team? What about the powers that be within the Democratic Party groom candidates for races that? they would normally just flounder. There's no well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, that's the advantage of having an organization. Um, so really, if you want to challenge these things, you kind of need one of your own. You need to join one like the Greens 
Um, for example, you know, being a green hasn't, we're not always winners, right? And we're running one race right now, uh, Sam Rose in Schenectady. And because our strategy right now is like, oh, what's the greens doing? Do we even exist anymore? We decided, along with our partners, that, you know, we'll only run races that we know we can actually win. I mean, small local ones that usually don't get noticed, school board stuff. And we got Sam on the ballot pretty easily. Uh, where was I going with this? But that um, the fact that I am in an organization, no matter how small, it's very minute compared to the Democratic one. It still had resources and a few experienced people that helped me run for office without looking like a total fool and feeling like I was able to successfully outreach at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to across the country, we do elect hundreds of people, uh, which is more than you can say of, say, the Sapien Party or the, uh, the other kinds of things. Uh, and certainly right. more than like, the unconnected, uh, independent person. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other story was like the working family party one, um, which mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of give my opinions and report or give an interpretation on like they're kind of now a victim of the election laws that we have, which have always kind of made third parties meaningless or neutered that even though we exist, that the laws and their use of them, because it's not just like who makes the laws, but who maintains them, uh, makes it so that we are constantly undermined by the two established parties, whether it be Republicans or Democrats. OTB mm-hmm. allows anyone uh, to, well, first, okay, there's the open enrollment of parties. Right? There's no restriction on what party you can register as. That means, as uh, we've seen, as has been reported, uh, the membership of the Working Family Party, number of registered members, in Rensselaer County has just doubled. That is because there are many Republicans, or at least you know, conservatives, who have been registered as Greens and all the other fusion ballot parties, or you know, Greens aren't fusion ballot, but through registering, they can do an OTP and quote-unquote steal a line. And they plan on doing this to the Working Family Party many times over. So now they're, they kind of get to be the victim of all of these mechanisms, whether it be OTB, open registration. It's very difficult because it is a kind of civic right to register as the party in your party of your choice. So when we want to remove right-wingers from being able to allow someone to steal our line, we actually we have to file battery of lawsuits and it would probably be stricken down. Uh, It would be a lot of work and resources to remove someone from a party. Um, At least like a a balloted party. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise, I I noticed also like in in Albany, you have, you know, nine council, common council primaries. Two of them had petition challenges so there's just a contradiction between, like, you know, this is a hard-knock competition. Oh, yeah, and you, there, there's the kind of, like, why are these petition challenges happening? Well, there's, there's usually a fair play of, or at least this uh, maybe an attitude of, well, I'm following the rules. Why does anyone get to cheat, you know, when, it's, when they're kind of slipping through or making mistakes? 
mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to compare the bureaucracy of the Board of Elections and, and being participating in our election system to, say, um, using the county social services. You know, if you make a mistake on your SNAP application or something like that, they'll mm-hmm. or, you, or you forgot some information, you'll get a phone call to correct it. Now, maybe in private insurance, if you make a mistake, oh, you didn't initial here, here properly, you're not going to get your spleen operation covered. <laughs> and maybe that's how a lot of million, millions of Americans go into medical debt because of little bureaucratic mistakes, uh, whether it's on the consumer end or on the, on, the, the, on the structure's end. And and that can happen. And I'll relate how, because I didn't have a lot of uh, support or at least help uh, last year, just serendipitously to run for office, and I was so used to running for executive positions because that, that's the two I've run for in the past. But I was running, I was going to run a Quinsada campaign for assembly, but I didn't put the assembly district number. And even though I had more than enough petitions gathered, I was disqualified by the state BOE. I was just under the assumption that, like, well, I'm, I'm living in this district. I'm running in the district that I live in. <laughs> What other district could I be running in? Right. Right. But that kind of thing isn't forgivable, you see. I don't get a call before the deadline saying, oh, you could resubmit before the deadline. No, it's just I get be told after that I made a mistake. Um, That's where election law lawyers come in. Did you right. contact them? election law lawyer to check over your petitions before you submitted them? Not this time because the pandemic lockdown had just started and I basically had three days uh, to submit them. Uh, I thought I had weeks. Um, So that struck up, snuck up on me. So it was this extraneating Mm -hmm. circumstance. But yes, being in an organization usually means you have somebody who knows election law. If you don't, then you have to hire someone like uh, was John Sweeney because he's one of the rare election lawyers in the area. And no, so it I kind of becomes... No, Tom Spago. No. Uh, but yes, I know people who, um, you know, we have Greens who know election law. and But I wasn't able to check with them, have them look it over. There was just no time. Okay. Um, but that's a, that's a small case, but I just tell the story to my embarrassment um, as an example of the things that happen. So like when you read in the Times Union of like, oh, they misspelled their name. How could they do that? Don't they want to actually run? Uh, how could they make such a dumb mistake? You know, it's their fault. It's, you know, personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Life is messier than that. But every aspect of life is personal responsibility. Whether you're running for office, whether you're getting your petitions or whether if you're dressed properly as you walk down the street, it's all personal responsibility. Wouldn't you say? Well, there are personal decisions, but as a society, there are also collective decisions. The decision whether or not to home house people, the decision of who gets fed. I mean, these are decisions that are made. These are political decisions. And I think a lot of the problems we have 
stem from this divide between things that are personal decisions and things that are actually collective decisions, things that we actually need to argue and debate and come to consensus about. And so what we've been talking about is who gets to participate in that debate. Is it just professionals who know what they're doing or um, are educated enough and can be, uh, present themselves properly? Because otherwise you're excluding entire populations, and those are the populations that then riot or do violence uh, or undisciplined violence. Okay. Lukey Forbes comes out of the uh, Black Lives Matter um, organization, mm-hmm. and he decides to run for office. What do you think he could have done better to make sure that his name would have been on the ballot and challenged Kathy Sheehan in June? As a model, um, he's in an organization, Vocal New York, but that's a pure activist one, lobbying. Um, or direct action. It would help if he partnered with, uh, this goes for anybody, partner with an organization that has political expertise, like the Greens, like whatever the Independence Party might reform as, or these, these fusion ballot parties. They existed as places to go for election help, when you wanted to run against an incumbent that's, say, backed by the Democratic Party, which okay. technically makes us a one-party state. Um, because, you know, like, in, um, it's a stretch, but, you know, North Korea or Cuba, you have one-party governments, but anyone can kind of run and be a party member and run for the assemblies that exist in those countries. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of being endorsed. <laughs> Or um, or you have multiple candidates for a post, and there's an endorsed one, and maybe there's an unendorsed one. And that's the kind of political system we also kind of have here, functionally, even if there's this, everyone has the right to participate. But does everyone have access? Does everyone have expertise? For this, we're, we're left to the freedom of association organizations that we have, you know. So, okay. But the issue is okay. that... All organizations are not equal. Some okay. are funded by big corporations and others are not. Right. And the uh, the Republican Party has been an established party nationwide for years. In the city of Albany, the, the Republican Party is dead and buried. They And they do not do much to revive themselves and become a viable alternative to the Democratic Party. What do you say to that? You're talking that? about Albany County? You're talking about Albany I'm, County in particular? No, because there's a number of Republicans elected in Albany County. I'm talking about right. the city of Albany. In the city, yeah. Yep. Well, uh, the current membership of the Republicans is – you know, registered Republicans is less. But what I mentioned about like a one-party state is that you have many conservatives who would normally be Republicans. They're registered as Democrats. Uh, So they can participate Mm -hmm. in the process, you know, be part of the family, so to speak, um, to be part of the wider conversation in the common council 
or to vote for mayor. Uh-huh. Now, maybe these conservative Democrats will, you know, if they're disgusted enough with, you know, how progressive the mayor is rolling over for activists or, or, the, or the makeup of the common council. But I don't know. Uh, it seems like they always seem to get their voices heard. There's always some Democrats on the council who are very conservative, you know, the, um, pro-law and order, pro-market development, and, uh, and punitive justice. So maybe the Republican Party as a organization, you know, larger national organization, does not put resources into the city because it is not worth it for them. Uh, but certainly conservatives in the city sort of can express themselves in many other ways. You know, money is speech, and that that matters. So a conservative Democrat isn't going to decide, oh, I think I'll run as a Republican for mayor in the city of Albany, right? Yeah, they're going to run as a Dem. Right. They might change their registration or they might move from place to one place uh, outside the city to inside the city, um, something like that. Okay. Okay. And that occurs, you know, it's, there's many ways, and you can pick up on each of the kind of moves that, that are made, mm-hmm. the comments that are made in, in the public meetings. So when you look at, at politics in general in the city of Albany, do you are you helpful or or not? Uh, on the whole, I'm not very optimistic. There really needs to be some large shift to for there to be for things to get better, right? You know, what kind of you know? I could say well, there needs to be change. What kind of change? Mm-hmm. So I would love for nothing to start some new campaign for democracy where. We, but first, that campaign needs to have a set platform on what actual changes we want to make. You know, we have to likely go to the city charter. Um, maybe we want to move to a, a defang the executive by making it a city administrator, like certain other even metro areas have, where you have a city manager, mm-hmm. the council makes the policy, and the city manager writes the budget as they are a bean counter. They don't have to be your friend. They don't have to be the leader. They just have to be competent, which, you know, the mayor usually is in some ways. Um, right. She's just not a great PR. Like, you know, she makes a recycling mascot. She does a lot of cringy things. Um, but that's, to me, forgivable. We're all a little weird. Okay. Um, but, you, like, but, but the, to... yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have a little time left, about a minute and a half. So let me make a suggestion to you. What you're saying is pretty good. I like the idea. Why don't you start a Facebook page, invite people on it, and start a dialogue? What do you think? Sure. Um, I would also invite people to go to Upper Hudson Green Party, and join us in crafting our platform there because joining an organization is very important and it allows you to engage with other groups and organizations so that we can then form a coalition for reform, whatever it takes. Okay, great, Dan. Our time is up. 
So give your Saturday morning program a plug that you do on WCAA. Of course. So my current project, you know, my continuing project that I'm focused on is building the community radio station at WCAA LP. And I do my show, the three left show, political analysis, strategy, and policy. Um, uh, Saturdays at noon to two o'clock, two hours, but it's also available at threelefts.news, full archive, and available on any podcasting app, including Spotify, Google Play, etc. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. You've been listening to Dan Platt talking about politics in Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this uh, show, uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Dan, have a great day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Same to you. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.